Hello, my name is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. The idea of oneness is integral to the spiritual tradition. In his book, The Perennial Philosophy, Aldix Huxley, who we also know as being the author of Brave New World, writes that, quote, the perennial philosophy is primarily concerned with the one divine reality, substantial to the manifold world of things and lives and minds. But the nature of this one reality cannot be directly and immediately apprehended, except by those who have chosen to fulfill certain conditions, making themselves loving, pure in heart, and poor in spirit. Why should this be so? We do not know. It is just one of those facts which we have to accept, whether we like them or not, and however implausible and unlikely they may seem. So this concept of oneness does pervade the spiritual tradition. And it really does define the spiritual quest. How do, how do we get from here to there? How do we go from the mundane, manifold world of our daily lives to this thing called oneness? Then we have these other questions about what do we do when we get there? And why is it that we have this drive for oneness? Today's guest is somebody who has done not only a lot of thinking on this, but has received some very unique and special inspirations and revelations on what it what oneness means because she has conversed with oneness itself her name is Rasha and she made her own remarkable journey to oneness about 20 or 30 years ago and connected with it out of this journey has come three books including the classic spiritual book oneness and her newest book journey to oneness she awakened to an inner calling in 1987 and began documenting the revelations that serve as the foundation for her work. She's American by birth, but has lived in India most of the year since 2002. Rasha, welcome to the show. I'm really uh, grateful that you can be here with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. Well, uh, as I was saying before the show, I am really impressed by by the work you put into your books and by the the way they're structured and the inspirations that they have and I, as I said at the top of the show we all have this urge for oneness for unity to see experience something folks called God and perhaps we all have our own ways to get there but I think it would help to start things off here by by talking about your sort of uh, inspirational moment or the tipping point, because you went through a lot of experiences when you were younger 
with your job, your mm -hmm. condo, your life, and something flipped in your in your spiritual being that made you the person you are today. And and I'd like you to talk about that a little bit so we set the stage for mm -hmm. what comes next. So why don't you talk about what what mm -hmm. drove you into your meeting with oneness? For me it was not a single definitive moment where a, a switch was flipped and then I changed. It was a very gradual process and I think a lot of people who are going through a spiritual quest are experiencing it in that way. You get your toes wet and you, you get a little further down the path and then you're in deeper and you know, oneness with so much grace and finesse lures us along the spiritual path. That's what happened to me. I've been doing um, an exploration for probably, well, more than 30 years, but um, I didn't start to take it seriously until I was in it up to my neck. And by that time, I was conversing with oneness. So, so let's yeah. let's let's get down to you know the sort of the blow by blow account here because I I think I think that your description of this as as being a gradual process is something that frankly resonates with me because a lot of people that I've mm -hmm. I've spoken to on this show that have written many books there is sort of like this revelatory experience a kundalini experience or flashing lights or light or, or a near-death experience but but was there was what what got you sort of going in that in this direction the spiritual direction are, are you do you think it's something that grew out of your your own inner being or was it something that was I happening think, to you I, I think we're hardwired for this yeah okay really this is, this is in our DNA that in these times, in these vibrational conditions, we are naturally feeling guided to dig deeper for the meaning of who we are, why we're here, and the big questions that are very personal questions and really has nothing to do with your day-to-day -day job or any of the things that we're taught to think are important or why we're here in life. Each of us, in a very intimate way, is searching for something else. Yeah, I, and what, yeah, I, I think what's that is fascinating. I, I, I is so many that. people are having that experience right now. I think I think that is is really great because it's something that you need to talk about because if it begins from the internal and goes outward. A lot of people, I would think, and I'm partly guessing here, they would keep it inside of them because either it's different or it's personal, subjective. Mm -hmm. But as we bring it out and we realize, well, other people are doing the same thing, yeah. it can't help but be therapeutic in some ways. And, and I'm, I'm it's also... It's reassuring, yes. I think, for people to realize they're not alone. Yeah, well, I thought I was the only one who was going through this. <laughs> well, I, I'm also very encouraged by the way you're looking at this because I really want there to be a, a uh, rise in consciousness, a spiritual awakening, whatever word we're using, 
and I also think it's a natural development. I was just uh, interviewed myself the other day, and I'm asked this question a lot about about you know what's what's going to happen, and I'm going to wind up asking you this, that question too because I think it's a great question or uh, it's a very <laughs> fascinating topic, I might add. But I like to think that there is a natural evolution of spirit. And it's something that had to burst out at some point. I mean, how how would you de- how would you describe this? I mean, why is it now today that we're seeing more people sort of facing facing this inner spiritual dimension? Um, we have to remember that we're dealing with energy here, and not only are people doing spiritual practices that would enhance their vibration, but we're being given a boost on this ride by the, um, the flooding of higher vibrational frequencies on the planet that would naturally shift us into another octave of ourselves. At those other levels, it's natural to want to seek the spiritual and the divine because that's the truth of who we really are. We, in um, the third dimensional reality that we grew up in, so many of us, that was kind of veiled and masked so we, we didn't have a taste of it. We had no clue beckoning to us to go in such a direction. But when those veils are pulled back, suddenly we get a glimpse of what's really there. And it's fascinating. Once you've had these tastes of an, an inner sacredness, a divinity, once you, you've seen a glimmer of the light, it, it's irresistible. You want to have another taste. Well, you want more of that. Because it's so wonderful. How can you not do that? Yeah. And I guess that's what hooked me, is I started having these exalted experiences. It was nothing that I sought. It was something that happened along the way as a natural byproduct of my own very cautious um, venturing down the spiritual path. I want to and talk uh, about I want to talk about vibration in a second here because that that topic that concept is permeating a lot of discussions right now that I have that I have with <laughs> that I have with the mystical yeah. folks and there's also a corollary in the scientific realm but it, but but in terms of in terms of sort of positioning ourselves for this I'm going to call it this awakening uh, and we could use whatever term uh, you know suits us but but I think you understand what I mean by that uh, is yeah. it is is this a situation you think where somebody has to open themselves up to the possibility of this inner divinity uh, what is what is the mindset or or spiritual stance that someone needs to take in order to go this direction? Is is well, it? It's not going to come and hit you on the head in the back of a bus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You have to have some receptivity for it. You have to have the intention that you you are going to. Um, start knocking on these doors in order for the answer to come. This, you have to um, extend the invitation. Okay, so, so if you're One advising so some... ready yeah. to, to come forth from within the depths of you, but you have to invite that 
and there are so many ways that that can be done. Well, well, let's let's talk about the practical side of this for a second, and and that is how to do it. Because, and let me just set the table here. Mm-hmm. We know that there are there's a history of of folks that found enlightenment. At least that's how the story goes, and probably the mm-hmm. classic the classic picture is the is the picture of the Buddha who distanced, separated himself, himself from the, the uh, material world, the wheel of re- rebirth, uh, and, and went inside. And a lot of the modeling, a lot of the modeling that we have follows that track where, the, where it's a separation of yourself from the outer world it's a journey inward how would you how how would you um i mean for somebody that that says okay well this sounds really good what do i do next what's the an what's the answer to that what 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 does somebody do next what you do is you um really take a hard look at the priorities that you've created in your life how important is this to you because if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Mm. And that means you, you're going to want to dedicate some time to it. There are certain skills you may want to cultivate, like meditation. You're going to want to get good at that. Because once you silence the mind, you're able to open the gateway to the heart. And that's where you want to get to. You can't get there in any viable way if your mind is chattering at you. So the first thing you want to do is become skillful at silencing the mind, of going into the inner, the inner spaces, the inner peace, the inner silence. Then you are able to direct your consciousness to the place where those doors open in a very natural way. So um, I would say to prioritize your life, to dedicate time to um, having a space just for you, a time just for you, not something you're going to squeeze in in between meetings. It's the time where you switch off the cell phone and you put the do not disturb on the door. And this is a time for your own, I don't know if you want to call it prayer or or whatever, the, the time of sacredness. And oneness says that there's no right or wrong way to do this. Everybody's going to do it in their own personal way. Those were the teachings I was given. This isn't a paint-by-numbers kind of experience where you you have to um, jump, jump through a certain number of hoops and do it in a particular way. You want to do this in the way that feels good to you. Yeah, I saw... So if you want to yeah. Yeah. follow a certain tradition or um, make it up as you go, that's fine. Yeah, it it seems as if it, it seems as if it is sort of a a quiet moment with yourself, and I I really like the the way you described it because I think you're right. A lot of people, and I might be one of them, where you want the formula, you want a recipe. You know, put your sit in mm-hmm. this position and right. repeat the word <laughs> om om to yourself. Take you deep. Take, That's a great take, thing to do. Take take deep breaths. That. Take deep breaths, and 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 all that stuff is really sort of the mechanics. And I and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with mechanics, but for myself, 
I've I've often wondered whether I've ever really meditated. On the other hand, there was a passage in your book that said something along the lines of meditation is life or life is meditation, one of the two. And I, I really think that it's, hopefully it's easier than people think. Um, one of the problems we have, of course, in our wild world is the amount of distractions. And I think that that's what, that's what I think your, your message is right now is that you have to separate yourself from the distractions. You can't multitask on this one. <laughs> you right. cannot multitask this. And the other thing that's important is people have an expectation. They're going to sign up for a weekend workshop, and they put the burden of responsibility on the teacher who's somehow going to flip their switch and make it happen to them. Yes. It's not like that. Yes, yes. And Nobody is going to get enlightened in a weekend by sitting in a group setting. This is something that takes an am- amazing amount of dedication, and it's something that's done in solitude. So yeah. when we go to these workshops, when we read these books, it's not for nothing. You're setting the stage. You're, you're giving yourself a solid foundation on which to draw when you allow yourself to be that vulnerable and private. Yeah, you, yes. Then you'll know what's happening when these sometimes trippy experiences start to happen to you. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it could be scary if yeah. you go into an altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And some of these states are not to be believed. So people have done the right thing by reading all of these books, but don't expect that a mentalized understanding of metaphysical principles is going to create the experience that you're reading about. It's, it's like you, you go to a restaurant, you're reading the menu. It's not the same as tasting the food. <laughs> yeah. You have an idea of what it might taste like. You can imagine what it might taste like. But until you've actually sat down and put it in your mouth, you don't know. Yeah, I think that... What uh, there is yeah. to have is the experience of it. And people are ready for that. They just don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. <laughs> This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Rasha, the author of both the classic spiritual book, Oneness, and her newer book, A Journey to Oneness, A Chronicle of Spiritual Emergence. And we're talking about this connection to oneness. And right now, I'd like to shift a little bit, and we're probably going to be all over the map here, but but you, you spend some time talking about vibration and about the importance of vibration and on that front mm. uh, what of what of my guests uh, in the past who's who's become uh, a friend of mine Carol mean she's a mystic and I just spoke to her the other day and she's and she said she said Phil everything is vibration and that also that also is very prominent in your in your book in your thinking and I'd like to talk mm. about this for a second, about what, first of all, what is vibration and how, and how did you come to the conclusion about the, the importance or the central role of vibration in our world? What is vibration? It, this is a major cornerstone of the teachings of oneness, the importance of energy, the energy you bring to the moment determines the outcome of your life, 
of what happens, whether you're going to have a best-case scenario or a worst-case scenario out of a, any given interaction, depends on your personal energy that is brought to that moment. So by trial and error, you learn to prioritize your energy, and you, you make it very important um, to preserve your precious energy. This is your bank account. Yeah. This is what you have to play with in the game of life, is the energy you have, and the quality of your life unfolds accordingly. I learned this in two ways. I learned it because I transcribed all of these teachings from oneness on this very subject, but I also learned it the hard way by putting those teachings to the test and seeing what happens if I go into an interaction in a depleted state. Oh boy, what a mess. Versus if I preserve and protect my energy, if I do my spiritual practice, in my case, I chant mantras for the express reason of raising my vibration. It sets me up for my day. That's part of my personal spiritual practice. Not to say that everybody has to chant mantras, but that's something that I was taught to do, and the result proved out. So yeah. yes, I do that. And yes, I'm extremely careful where I go, who I talk to, who I hug, um, things like that. It's a whole different set of rules for life that are for the purpose of preserving your energy field. Yeah, okay, so, so, so let, me, let, me, let me make a connection here because... There might be folks listening who are thinking, well, vibration, and it sounds like some kind of airy spiritual concept, and, and maybe and maybe it is. But I, I like to make I like to make a connection here to show that this is really probably the way of the world. First of all, uh, we know from quantum theory about this concept of fields, about how particles are not really separate. There aren't really particles at all. There's really energy packets. There's really a interconnected universe, and we and we know Lynn McTaggart wrote the book The Field. We and we heard about the zero point field, and people forget uh, or have not quite absorbed the truth that we are part of the field necessarily, since we're supposed to be made of particles which aren't really particles, and so therefore, therefore there is a field even under the precepts of science. When you get to the spiritual perspective, which I think, by the way, is exactly the same field from a different perspective. There's no difference. It's just one mm-hmm. One is called scientific and one is called maybe the inner vision. And it, But it's exactly the same thing. We, we see we, from, from what Rasha is saying that, that there is this energy field, vibration, and so therefore it's like a karmic field. Uh, our pulses, our energy uh, would affect would affect the world and and it's it's there's some really practical sides to this uh, I, I've already mentioned karma but you talk in your book about something that is near and dear to me that is so is so down to earth which is having bad vibrations and your computers won't work or or, or, or your cell phone you know, won't turn on, and this is this is folks. This is folks. This is this is really what we're talking. We're not talking. I mean, yes, it it moves into some higher dimensions mm. here, but 
but but this is yeah, because I, I, you're I like, getting technical. Right, right. I like technological. I, let's right. let's talk about spirituality. Okay, go ahead. And and we are in human bodies, and human bodies, and and consciousness has a personal vibration. We are we are representative in the physical world. There's a spiritual dimension to who we are, and people are being guided to explore that and to identify with it. So we're talking about several different things. Vibrationally, yes, you want to maximize your experience as a physical being in a physical world. And at the same time, people are guided to transcend that whole realm altogether and use that energy and the energies that surround us as an opportunity to dig into the, the very core of who we really are and to know from our own personal experience of it what's there, not just because we've read about it in a million books and heard people like you and me talk about it on the radio, but because they've had to taste themselves. That's what amping up your vibration can open the doorway to. And it's a fascinating journey to go on if you've done it, and I think you know that from your own experience of it. I can tell you in the book, A Journey to Oneness, I gave seven years of my own experiences on that roller coaster, and it is one. It is not just all of, you know, tripping the light fantastic, but the plunging to the depths of of despair and the up and down of it that is what really happens when you go on this journey in earnest. That's what there is to have in human form. This this is the journey of a lifetime. And it's available to us. You can also focus on the physical world and yes, the all the energy we're being given is is going to give you a fascinating ride in the physical world. But there is this other avenue of exploration to be explored too and this book a journey to oneness um, is an illustration of how such a journey might go it's not a template to be followed because of course everyone's journey is different I, I want to talk about me. I, I want to talk about the, this vibration a little bit more here because clearly it's important to have good vibrations and I'm reminded there of the Beach Boys song, uh, which probably <laughs> is the same concept because, you know, we also hear about people having negative vibes or positive vibes. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's, it's related to, to me, the, uh, the notion of hanging out with positive people or, and getting, and getting the negative folks out of your life or at least ignoring them. I mean, there, the, how does one how does one um maximize the positive vibrations what is what are some of the things that you've learned because, because clearly this is important so so what it's very important you you look at it in two ways you are vigilant about what you expose yourself to because wherever you place yourself you're taking you're taking on that energy, so it's part of being protective. At the same time, you want to amplify the vibration that you have to give to the world so that you are casting the highest vote onto the ethers 
that you can. Each of us gets one vote in this life. Yeah. And together we're co-creating the world with all of those vibrational votes. Right. We are, we are all here to co-create the world. Right. You know, step back to on a personal level, when you go into an encounter with an individual, you can feel whether that energy is comfortable for you or whether it just it makes you cringe. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And you make your choices accordingly. Do you want to have more of that? Or do you want to back off? Right. If a person is um, consistently being negative, it brings you down. Right. It doesn't feel very good. So you'll have to ask yourself, you know, do I want to have a steady diet of that? Or do I maybe want to weed that out and expose myself to environments and individuals that um, uplift me, that make me feel good, that feels comfortable and compatible at my level of energy. If you're a person that's prioritizing your energy, you're spending a lot of time and effort doing that. You don't just want to throw it in the street. You, you, want, you want to preserve it as, as you would anything that you devote your time and energy to. Yeah, there and, and there's another aspect to this though, which is which goes along the lines of a teacher, which is uplifting or raising the vibrational level of people that you encounter. And I think mm -hmm. that, that that is something that I think is extremely important because sometimes that is just necessary. That's just the way it is, and because maybe it's a friend of yours that is down in the dumps uh, and mm -hmm. needs needs to needs to have some kind of uplifting, and you know, mm -hmm. I I there's something to be said for sort of going with the positive vibrations and excluding the negatives from your life, and I completely agree with that. It's it's very similar to to the concepts of of staying with positive people and not, and not letting the naysayers mm -hmm. you know bring you down but but is there another i mean you've you've done a lot of teaching a lot of lecturing i mean is there a function here where somebody with your experience um, has to try to raise the vibration level of somebody i mean what what happens then no, there's no intention that I'm I'm going to do do anything to anyone. Okay. What I have to contribute is to bring my presence into a situation, and that presence is something I've spent a lot of time and effort bringing up as high as I can for my own sake and for the sake of those who surround me. Yeah. If all of us did that, what a wonderful world it could be. Yeah. When you think about it. Yeah. Well, that that's really um, that's that's really what we're trying to do here, uh, which is to I mean, and I I want to get to that as we move through the show, but one what I think the ultimate goal here is in my in my own way of looking at things is to raise yeah. the quote unquote world vibration, because because the oneness one vote at a time right one vote at a time talk, right this yeah. is this when is we Philip. talk about being conscious yes. it's this is about being vigilant being aware not just going in about our business blindly but to know that this world is constructed of energy yeah and we have an opportunity to really make a difference 
by being the highest octave of who we are. Yeah, I think that that is... And to make that important, make that a priority in your life. It affects everything you experience, not only your spiritual experiences, but your experiences of everyday life will shift in a way that is measurable. You can, for example, go into a situation um, where you're challenged and you know this is going to be really trying. Take a time out, meditate, or do your prayers or something for 15, 20 minutes, then go back into the situation, and the discord will have shifted. Yeah. yeah it's you're, yeah. unbelievable yeah. how consistent this is. It works. Yeah, you're exactly And you realize yeah. there's something to this. Yeah, you're exactly right. This is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Rasha, the author of both this, the classic Oneness and her newest book, A Journey to Oneness. And we're talking about the vibrations and the need and the need to increase your vibrations and try to reach the divinity within. Mm. Now, there is there's something here that I want to emphasize that I think connects to what you were saying, Rasha. And is it is it your view that we are really undifferentiated? energy beings and and so we, we there's an illusion in other words this the separateness that we experience is an illusion we really at our core we're undifferentiated would you agree with that or or is that the way you look at things or or what well it's it's not an either or okay, you, you go back to the the core question what is oneness right. we are all oneness that is the divine essence within each of us reaches a point of commonality at some level, whether or not you experience that is the choice we have. Mm. You want to get to that level where you experience yourself as the truth, as the oneness, the exalted being that you really are. Yes, at that point, we are all one. But it is the rare individual that has experienced that level. So what we are is divinity with diversity. Yeah, We are experiencing the individuation, the individuality of that oneness. That doesn't mean that we are any less divine at that individuated level. It means we're just not experiencing that universal oneness. It, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a, I was um, at a book signing once, and I think I, I think I gave a little talk there, and someone walked up to me and they said, and they said, all this stuff about oneness, how do I, how do I feel one with other things? I, I don't understand that. And, and I think you that, don't. that, yeah, and I think you that, you don't that, become one with other things yeah. necessarily. You know what, the very first conversation I had with um, the source oneness, I asked, what is oneness? And the answer was, as the drop of water is to the ocean, that is what oneness is. Each of us is like that drop. If you ask the drop what it is, there's only one answer. It's ocean. Its essence is ocean. But is it the whole ocean? No. It's not the whole ocean. It's still the drop. Yeah. And it, that, that first answer has come back to me over and over again as I started to dig deeper into my own exploration of who am I. Yeah. 
where do I stand in all of this? If I'm oneness, does that mean I, ha- I, I can identify with the guy sitting on the other end of the room and become him? Probably not. Right. I'm still me. And when you go into these exalted levels of spiritual exploration, yes, you reach a point of feeling the divinity, and it is oneness that is looking through your eyes, and you know it. You are that, but you are still you. Yeah. You will never be other than you. You're not going to shift into something. Oneness is not going to possess you and become become something else in your body. It's always still you. But you're looking at life, at the physical world, from a highly exalted vantage point. Yeah. That's the difference. No, I think that's a very good description. And I think that t- to sort of give some background here, the tension between the one and the many is one of the great topics in philosophy and spirituality. Mm-hmm. The, you know, mm-hmm. how did the many come from the one? And are we supposed to be one? Is the many an illusion? And I think the way you put that is very good. The way I look at it, uh, Rasha, is, is, and this comes out of Ken Wilber, uh, along the lines of that we should, we should live in a, a, with, a, with a big mind, small body. In other words, you carry around, and, and it's, yes. it's, I just put it in words, but you carry around <laughs> this idea or this, this truth that we are living the same story. We are, we are carrying out this 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 uh, task here, but we are separate beings. Uh, and I, I also would add that I, I, I love the analogy of, a, of the drop in the ocean. It's actually something that I've used in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, frankly, uh, I, I would go farther and say that the ocean itself is a metaphor for oneness Absolutely. i think it's a metaphor for oneness we're living in a in a mm-hmm. world that's a, a reflection of all this i think i think you know taking that to its its next step now now i don't i don't want to um forget that one of the amazing things about your books is that you you have had the ability or privilege uh, whatever we want to call it, of oh. actually, of actually, chan- is, is it is channeling the right word here, or is it talking? No, what what I don't use the word channeling. What's, I, I source it. Okay, you source. I source okay, it. So, I merge with it. Okay, so you sit down at okay, and and this started. You sat down at your computer, and all of a sudden, you started. Uh, the answers started coming to you, or or how how did that happen? That you so found sorry. that you go ahead. Oh my. Uh, it was a long evolutionary process to get to the point um, that I am at today. In the beginning, it felt like channeling. When you're channeling, um, there is a you, and there's something else that you perceive as other than you. Okay. And you converse with it. And ultimately, over time, the two become one. Okay. That was my process. Okay. Now I can sit down with the intention to, to connect with oneness, and it's instantaneous. I become that. Yeah. It's it's like I dissolve into it. But that didn't happen overnight. I've been doing this for over twenty years. Yeah, yeah. That's At first, um, yes, you're 
your consciousness, your mind, is a thesaurus through which you can feel them rummaging for the exact word to describe the intention that is being trans- transmitted through you. So there was, there is a process of um, translating intention into communication, and I was the vehicle for doing that. Yeah. Does, yeah. does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of tradition here um, that is related. And I always go back to the Koran because the Koran is, is one of the first uh, books that the tradition is it was given to Muhammad. And for those who haven't studied Islam, the way the Quran was drafted uh, was that um, Muhammad, the messenger of God, or the founder of Islam, uh, one day heard heard the words recite, and he started speaking the words of God, and th- those recitations over mm-hmm. several years became the Quran, and, and were, they were written down, and, and that's why the Quran is so um, admired and has such high stature in the Islamic world. And you have that, and then you move all the way to folks like Neil Donald Walsh uh, with, with, with Conversations with God, uh, which started, you know, which started this, an, another tradition. And it seems, it seems to me, Rasha, your, your conversations are deeper and fuller than, than other modern uh, folks in this genre, and I'm not comparing you to anyone in particular. I, there are some people that have have the ability mm-hmm. to do what you're doing, but is there something that that differenti- differentiates what what you do from others in this area? Such I can't comment on the work of other people okay. because I haven't read anybody else's work. I see, but I can tell you that many teachers are here in these times. And each of us is teaching at a different level. Yeah. Vibrationally, yeah. the teachings of oneness are not the beginner's course. Yeah. Yes. There is something that happens when people read these teachings. There are encodements in these teachings that are calculated to assist in vibrational openings in people. Yes. And the emails that I receive, I cannot begin to tell you the experiences people share of what happens when they start reading these books. I don't know that this is happening with other people's work. Yeah, yeah. This is the teachings of oneness. This is very high level. And when people are guided to these books, they know it. And yeah. the experience proves out. It's yeah. profound what yeah. happens. Yeah. And I, I was just a normal person. I had no idea about any of this. I've got no background in any of this. I simply surrendered to it and allowed it to come through me, and afterwards would read it, thinking, my God, I never could have written that. Yeah. There is no way yeah. in a million years I don't have those understandings. And yet when I followed it, it was extraordinary what happened in my life, the shifts that occurred when I followed the breadcrumbs through the forest. Yeah, and I, yeah, and, and I have I have to I have to say that you know I read I read a lot of books not only for my own um, research but to prepare for my my radio show and and I 
I always judge things by the substantive content. Uh, and that that and specifically that would mean reading something to see whether uh, there's words or, or whether there is some inspiration, some revelation, some new information. And I do think that that a lot of things that I've read in your book, uh, A Journey to Oneness, uh, are, is, ver- is very helpful. Here's a quote right here that I really like that I wrote down. Uh, it says, A directed focus of mass consciousness toward the creation of peace and harmony would be effective to assist in a less volatile release of the energies in question, and which, which is a mouthful in some ways, but I really like this concept of a directed focus of mass consciousness towards the creation of peace and harmony. Uh, is going to help things, and this is not something that someone rolls out of bed and says. <laughs> so, so it it does it it does. Um, you know, to me that was mm-hmm. that was really good, and maybe I I I want you to. You These know, books are loaded with quotes like that. Yeah, yeah. Each one is a stand on its own. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, at a very high level, to empower us to really shift this, what we're in together. To really make a difference with the time that we've got right now, yeah. Now, now and go ahead. To create the kind of world we'd like to be in, and it's doable. Okay. Now, but it, it's a matter of okay. being conscious. Okay. So this is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Uh, speaking with Rasha, the author of both the classic Oneness and A Journey to Oneness, and we are moving now to. Uh, what I think is the most interesting part of this whole field, and by that I mean this field of spirituality, because to me, it's having these solo journeys, having these these inner personal revelations are great. It makes us better pers- persons. It makes us appreciate the world we live in, and hopefully it makes us kinder, gentler, more loving, all these good things. But we need to move beyond the solo journey, I, I think. And I'd like to t- talk, to, to follow up what you just said before my little um, break there, about mm. moving to a, a higher world vibration. I mean, what, where, do, where do you see us heading as a civilization uh, in light of things we've talked about on the show, which is the, this urge for for openness to connect to oneness mm. is 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 broadening. I mean, what what do you think is there, is happening? It's now? not carved in stone. Okay, it is all potential. I see. We are empowered to make a difference, each of us and together, all of us. And coming back to energy, what are we going to do with the energy we have? Are we going to project it? out into the ethers at the highest possible level and bring about the transformation of our world. And incidentally, um, when we transform our world, it's not painless because in order for the new to come in, we have to be prepared for the undoing of the old. And a lot of that resembles destruction. So we have some of the frightening aspects for what we're witnessing and have been witnessing as what no longer serves us crumbles to, to pave the way for what is to come. So um, to be able to, to see the potential good that will come of that, that's something that, that we can look toward. Um, 
to know that we're heading in the right direction, to have the intention that it's not out of control, that what we want, what we hope for is possible. We have to hold that vision together. It's doable. Yeah. No, I think I think that that's, that's definitely got to be one of the elements. And as you were saying about um, what some people have called the great world turning, I just love that description. I, for, I forgot where that came mm-hmm. from. I think it's an Indian term or a um, shamanic term. But but in your conversations with oneness in your in your book, uh, there is a conversation where oneness talks about the world standing on the brink of radical change. Events will begin to transpire, will change how you perceive the world and your place within it, um, and that there's going to be right right, and that there's going to be all these events, and you know I that that it's going to change things, and that to me is extremely exciting. Um, because I think that's what we really hope for deep inside. Along along with this connection to oneness, I think, uh, Rasha, there is also this power that oneness wants to be released. That that there has that that it wants to be expressed. And that means breaking through a lot of division. Uh, that has that is existing, and it's it's pretty bad when you think about it, um, in terms of the, the, you know the state of the world. And so there is going to have to be something now. Mm. Down, this okay. is the, this is the byproduct of energy, yeah. of energy in flux of the old that is less than what it could be, moving out, and it's it's crumbling. Yeah. The world, as we knew it, is crumbling, and that's not a bad thing, because we can do better. What part of the world is crumbling in your mind? Societal structures are crumbling. Governments are falling down. Things that are not the highest and the best are falling down, not to mention the seismic occurrences, the weather patterns, all of this. This is all energy. Yeah. This is the release of density. I wouldn't call it bad and good. This is, this is density that is seeking to be released, not unlike a boil that needs to be lanced in yeah. order for healing to occur. Yeah. Well, that, that is, yeah, that's, I think it's a, pow- I think it's a powerful, it's a powerful statement, and I think it's an affirming statement for me because as i said so many people are yearning for something more and and you know there's this other side to this you know be careful what you ask for cuz you might get it but but this mm-hmm. is this is not something that is really well i don't think it's within our control i do think and i agree with you that everybody who wants to be a part of the new world needs to have that as the goal and continue towards it. But mm-hmm. I hope that this is something that is inevitable. I, I'm th- I'm, I think back, you know, I have a philosophy degree, and um, this is not, this concept here is not so unlike a lot of other things that have been discussed throughout history. For example, the German uh, philosopher uh, Hegel, who is, is very difficult to read, by the way. But he had this—he had this notion, this idea, 
that that really what the world is about is the is at the absolute, which was his idea of God, coming to know mm-hmm. itself as as being all reality. That's what history was all about for him: it was spirit coming to know itself as spirit. Okay. And you know, this is a this this that was written about two two hundred fifty years ago. It was written in very sort of esoteric, garbled language, but it's a, sort of the same kind of thing that we're talking about here, I think, in, in more practical terms. So I want I, you spend... This, is, this journey is about spirit, oneness, seeking to know itself. Yes. And the way that takes place is through each of us, as us, because we are oneness. Yes. The discovery of each of us, of the truth of that essence, is oneness awakening to its own unfoldment. Yes. That's what's happening. Yeah. And that can only happen within the context of physicality, where there is a possibility of experience. Because at the level of the absolute, there is only awareness. Yes. There's pure awareness. In order for experience to occur, that divinity had to translate itself into the context of form where experience was possible. Yep. That's why we're here. Yes. Yeah, in I order not to just believe it, but to know it. And through that knowingness, oneness is awakening to its own isness yeah. and becoming one with itself. Right. And, and so it's like a pyramid effect. We're, we are go- becoming a more and more condensed exalted version of that oneness as each of us awakens and gets to the next level. Yeah. Oneness is going home. That's what's happening. Yeah, that, I think that that's a, that's, a, that's a really good way to put it. There is something in the spiritual traditions, and I would, I would say this ha- is rooted in probably Buddhism and some strands of Hinduism where, where uh, the goal is to unite with the infinite oneness, undifferentiated oneness, to distance yourself from the material world and to enter into the stream of becoming. And I'm using a lot of words here. Uh, the, the, the basic concept, though, is sort of distancing yourself from the physical world. Now, I personally have always had a problem with that because what are you going to do if you're just a spirit floating around in nothingness? I mean, I I don't see. I mean, maybe that's a really good sort of feeling, but I I think we need to be embodied in forms, in the physical forms, really, to have that true experience. Now, that's just me talking, but but I see our evolution as being as being combining the two, combining this this spiritual awakening with understanding the physical world. Um, so, so how do you look at that's that? That's the opportunity. Okay. That's the opportunity to do this within the context of form, yes. to realize who you are within form. Not if you if you go into these heightened states, you become awareness, you experience that, but you don't sustain that. Ultimately, you come back and you are you right. within a form. Right. That's you good. with a more exalted perspective, perhaps. You're right, right. Okay, that's that's really good, and I think that that, frankly, Rasha, is one of the 
developments that have been made in our modern age of spirituality. And I think that, hello? And I think that you... Yeah. And, and, and I think that you... Uh, have you know done a have done a great job in your books of getting to the core of it and in a, in a very in a very readable enlightening way I want to ask you quickly here as we're nearing the end you've spent a lot of time in India in fact you spend most of your your last 10 most 12 years in India yeah. what is it about India that appeals to you oh my gosh I live in an absolutely magical place called Tiruvannamali that has an exalted mountain, Arunachala. It's one of the high energy places on the planet. And when I when I got there, it's like I was plugged in. Yeah. I feel like I'm home there, and mm. um, it's just a very fascinating place to mm, be. Yeah. It was the home of Ramana Maharshi, the great sage, um, who. Um, brought it to the attention of the Western world, Yeah, this particular place in South India. So that's, that's what grabbed me, and um, I go back year after year like a homing pigeon. <laughs> it's a, wonderf it's yeah. a wonderful place. No. I like India, too, because of um, how unstructured it is. Anything goes in India. Yeah. There are not a lot of rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, I mean, I can see that. There's a yeah. lot of people. It's hard, it's hard to control all those people, I would think. Yeah, it's it's chaos. Yeah. It's kind of, um, <laughs> everywhere you look is a living illustration of all these principles in these books. Yeah. Well, I, I think I can hear oneness chuckling in the wings on the stage of my life as as I watch this crazy movie unfold. Yeah. Well, it you know you know we forget that there's other ways to view the world. You know, the Western world we we definitely have a materialistic scientific uh, perspective. And we we tend to shunt off to the side, uh, the the this inner this inner vision. And I thought that mm -hmm. your your description of India and the lessons uh, that you've learned there and the beauty of it was really inspirational to me. And because now I want to go to this mountain, I think it sounds like a great place. Oh, please, it sounds like a great place to visit. Uh, and it's it, because yeah. because it's you know you can't beat that 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 direct contact. I had a guest on a show a couple weeks ago who was talking about a similar thing with, with the pyramids. And mm. it, it's, really, it's really something that, you know, I think all of us need to, need to experiment or experience once in our lives. Now, so now, as we're here at the end, we've covered a lot of ground, I think, in a very weaving um, way. I think we did. Weaving around way. But but in the end, uh, Rasha, what message um, sort of stands out for you that you could share with us? A, 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 a very unfair question, um, but if, if there was if there was a message, uh, you know, and you were, you know, um, that you wanted to give or that you can give to the listeners and the others, what would it be from what you've learned through your last 20, 30 years here? Talking I would oneness. say that you are not who you think you are. You are so much more than that. Yeah. And the opportunity is there not just to believe it, but to know it. I'd like to tell the listeners, too, that on the Oneness website, it's onenesswebsite.com, there's all sorts of wonderful free teachings that they can sign up for 
and get via the internet with quotations and gorgeous photographs. It's something that they may want to check out absolutely free. Yeah. It's onenesswebsite.com. It's just loaded with things that I'm giving. Yeah. Well, so I'd encourage everybody to to come and take a look. Yeah, I think I think that's great. And and just and just to sort of close things off here, you know, we we all are on a journey and it's it's can only be a personal journey and all of us need to take it at some point and books like Rasha's a journey to oneness and her other book oneness and the calling i believe another book uh yeah. these these books uh help i think anybody sort of f- see that it can be done uh that that you just that you don't honor as 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 you say in your book you don't just honor the person with these lessons what is going on here is that um, the oneness or the teacher is trying to inspire us to find our own way. And I think that is really the lesson. And, and luckily, to, in, in today's day and age, we have a lot of people uh, who have gone in different directions, who have made these journeys, and they should stand, I think, as inspirations for us all. Because as Rasha said, we are really much more than we think we are. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science Religion. I thank you for listening. Next week we'll have Dr. Manjur Lawton Samanta, and we're, be- we're going to be talking about um, water and the mysteries of spirit over water. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.